0: to serve the Lord and to serve you in this church family. So continuing in our series called Radical Community, and we want to think today about what makes us radical, and that is God's Word. It's God's Word that makes us radical. So I invite you to open to Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. We saw the perfect example of how God's Word makes us this radical community just last Sunday when we read and studied these words of Jesus. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. We looked last week at what radical words those are. And so if we're honest with God's word, if we look at it seriously, if we take it seriously, if we seek to obey it, we will have no choice but to be this radical community of God's people. The church should be nothing like the world. The love that we share and the way that we live together as brothers and sisters should be nothing like the world has seen and we want to be this radical community here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel. I want us to realize if you didn't already that Christianity, our faith, is built upon teaching. It's built upon the word of God and from a new testament perspective it began with jesus who his primary purpose and ministry wasn't just to walk on water and to turn water into wine but was to teach that was his primary ministry that was his priority he went from place to place from crowd to crowd and his first intention in every case was to teach people god's word this of course is what he commanded when he was heading back to heaven And leaving that ministry, which is the same, the ministry of the apostles, our ministry, is just a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. There's no difference. And so not surprisingly, when he left and handed the reins over to his apostles, he said, make disciples of all nations and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. It's one of the reasons we can't get off the hook from last week's teaching of Jesus, those hard words, because we've been taught the same things that the Apostles were taught and we're to teach others those same things and of course not surprisingly in the first early days of the church the day of Pentecost and the early days after that we read these words that they did devote themselves to the Apostles teaching so I want to see how that has continued here in the book of Colossians written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae and let's see uh, in his words now verses 24 to 29 How this ministry of teaching the Word of God continues to be a crucial aspect of church life in our day. So Paul writes, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I will fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness, With all the energy, Christ so powerfully works in me. And Lord, this morning, we're asking for the supernatural continuation of your work in our lives as your word transforms us. We pray that your spirit would be here to teach us and to make us more like Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Three simple things that I want us to see from this passage about God's word. And here's the first one, God's word is priority in the church. We see Paul referencing his words here to the church. He says speaking of his own suffering that he's filling up in his flesh or his body what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, notice, for the sake of his body which is the church. What is he what is he doing here? He's telling us that his ministry to the Colossians and to all the early church in that time was for their sake. He was pouring out his life for them. And where did that come from? It came from the calling or the commission that he had, which we see in verse 25. I became its servant, or the church's servant, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Now, if you know the story of Paul, he originally was Saul. He originally was a Pharisee. He originally was an enemy of Jesus and the church. But in Acts chapter 9, on his way to persecute more believers in a different town, Jesus showed up and appeared to him supernaturally, visibly, in this shining light that caused Saul at that time to be blinded. And that was such a radical conversion, of course. Saul became Paul. He became uh, someone who's perhaps had the greatest impact on the church and church history since Jesus. He wrote much of the New Testament, Jesus took hold of this man and radically saved him for this great purpose that he would become a teacher to the church. That's why we have his letters, his writings in the New Testament because Paul, with a fantastic mind to understand God's truth and he's written it into God's word and he taught it everywhere he went. He says here in verse 25 this is his commission. I mean, it's so good for us as believers to have a sense that we have been commissioned by God. Do you have that sense? You say, well, I didn't have a conversion like Paul. No, but if you're saved, God has a purpose for you. He has a calling on you. For some of us, we're not sure what that is, and I say, that's okay. Start serving. You're not sure what your commission. commissioned? It doesn't mean you don't have one. It just means you haven't figured it out yet. What do you do? Start serving. And as you begin to serve God, people will say, you're really good at this. Would you, would you help me with this? Keep, keep helping me. Do this again. Would you help me? God's gifted you in this area. And as we serve, it becomes clear to us. Paul understood because God's calling on his life was so clear to him. It was communicated to him supernaturally. He knew his commission was to present the word of God in its fullness to the church. This is God's priority. You see it in the life of Paul? He saved Paul to do this great work because it's so crucial in the church. We saw it in the life of Jesus. He commissioned his apostles to teach everything he'd taught. We see it in the early church. We see it now in the life of Paul. Teach the church God's word. It's so important that we hear and understand God's word. How important is it? Well, we already saw in verse 24 the way that Paul suffered for the sake of this priority. Isn't that what he said in verse 24? That he's rejoicing even in his suffering, and he he likens his suffering to the suffering of Jesus. The Lord's suffering was for the sake of the church in a different way. He, he died for, for the salvation of the church. Paul's suffering was for the sake of the church in a different way. He was suffering in order to bring God's truth to the church. Notice what he had said already, verse 25: I have become its or the church's servant. He understood this priority to this degree. He was willing to become, as he says in other places in the New Testament, a slave to literally surrender his life for the people of God, to do this work that God had called him to do, to teach God's word in its fullness. This was God's priority in the early church. And so we ask ourselves, are we ready to be a radical community and to be radical because we have seeing the importance and the priority of God's Word. Now, we are Wallenstein Bible Chapel. So we want to take God's Word seriously. We want to do this well here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel. What does that mean? It means that when we preach the Word here at Wallenstein Bible Chapel, we want to exactly do that. We want to preach the Word. So when I preach, I I never want to put the text on the screen. Why? Because I want you to bring your Bible and see it for yourself and I'm going to show you and I'm going to point you to verse 24 and verse 25 and I want you to see it for yourself and to preach God's word doesn't mean that I read a text and then I go off and talk about something that means something to me something that I got to get off my chest to preach God's word means that we read the text and we teach the text and we honor God's word by doing it that way and if there ever comes a time when The preaching at Wallenstein isn't rooted in God's Word or isn't expositional, as they say in seminary, exposing God's Word. If we're just using God's Word as a springboard so that we can talk about other things, then we're not preaching God's Word. But here at Wallenstein, that's what we want to do. We want to preach God's Word. Being on staff, I'm privy to the, uh, the seriousness that our staff members take in terms of bringing God's Word to our kids and to our youth. There's a lot of work that's been going into the curriculum, and it's being developed by our own folks here, that's being taught to our young people, and it's rooted in God's word. Katie and Brant McLaughlin have worked so hard. Wednesday nights, an opportunity for our youth to come and study God's word, curriculum that's being developed here that's rooted in God's word. Our children are upstairs right now, learning God's word faithfully by those who are volunteer, volunteering to teach it. Which, by the way, is one of the reasons it is a privilege to serve in the church, in youth ministry or in kids ministry, and to have a part to play in teaching the next generation God's word. We actually have a Young Moms Bible study happening on, I think it's Wednesday mornings, is that right? Any young moms here want to put up their hand and say, yeah, I'm part of that. Tuesday morning? Sorry, okay, let's try the Tuesday morning one then. How's that? (laughs) Any young moms at the Tuesday morning one? See a few hands? Uh, One of the things that's required for that is childcare. You can prioritize God's Word to our young moms who are busy and exhausted by saying, you know what, I'm willing to volunteer and watch their kids so that they can study the Bible. That's what we want to do here. In our small groups, we want to prioritize. In fact, our groups most of our groups right now are talking through this sermon series so they listen to the sermon and then they get some discussion questions and they wrestle through some of the things they've heard and if they got to correct something the preacher says they have the chance to say say that (laughs) if there's something they didn't understand they have the chance to talk about that and the, the opportunity to talk about how do we apply these truths of scripture to our lives that's what's happening in our small groups and so we want to continue to prioritize these things in our church But the other question I want to ask is to what degree do we prioritize God's Word in our lives? We think about Paul and his willingness to become a servant or slave to the church to do this ministry of teaching God's Word. We think about the fact that he literally was suffering the sufferings of Jesus for the sake of the church in order to bring God's Word to them. And it raises the question, to what degree are we willing to do hard things? to get into God's Word. I mean, it's just so common for us in our busy and affluent society with so many distractions that we can so easily not prioritize God's Word. Why? Because we're busy amusing ourselves and taking care of business and doing the things we want to do. But if God prioritizes His Word, then we too, as individual believers, need to prioritize God's Word. And if we're struggling to live this radical community life that we've been teaching, or if we're struggling to find the reality of the Christian faith in our own lives, struggling to see transformation in our lives, often the, pro- the, the reason for that, the problem is that we're not prioritizing God's word in our lives. How are we doing in that regard? Do we take time each day to get into God's word? I mean, some of us have time When uh, maybe we are busy, maybe we are working, maybe you have a job that causes you to has you driving, tractor and a vehicle, and we can listen to the country station. I know some of you aren't into that. Or we could listen to God's word. We could listen to a sermon. There's all kinds of resources we have today, so that we don't have to lose out, even in that time where we're working, but we can still think and we can still learn capitalize on those opportunities are we willing to do that so many of us and I've heard this so many times believers who say well I'm not a great reader it's hard for me to study God's word yeah good that's good it is hard and one of the reasons it's hard is because well it's just hard it's not an easy book to learn some of it's tricky but we also have an enemy who will constantly whisper in our ear you don't have time for this You don't understand this. This is boring, find something else to do. And that's one of the reasons why this is so hard for us and we have gotta fight against that and say, no, this is the word of God. This is the sword of the spirit. I desperately need this. And we do find time to read and study and learn from things that are important to us. So let's prioritize God's word. It's the first thing we learn in this passage. The second one is so closely connected to that and that is that God's word is precious in the church. It should be precious in the church and we see that as Paul goes on to describe. He's mentioned being commissioned to present the word of God in its fullness and then he unpacks that a little bit for us. What does he mean by the word of God? And he says it's the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Now, in Paul's day, they had the Old Testament. The New Testament was still in process. He would be the one to write some of that. He goes on to say, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you see that? Do you see the value, the worth of God's word? Which reveals this mystery. And Paul says it's a it's the glorious riches of this mystery. It kind of reminds us of some of those statements in the Old Testament, Psalm 19, where it tells us that the decrees of God are more to be desired than gold. Yes, it says, much fine gold. That's God's word. It is precious. It should be precious to us in the church. The only thing that should be precious, more precious to us in the church than the word of God is God himself and Jesus Christ himself. And yet, what we find here is it's hard to separate Jesus from God's word. Why is that? Well, God's word, as you saw, it's the mystery that's been kept hidden, now disclosed to the Lord's people. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. And what is it? What's the mystery? It's Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You can actually break that down into four things. Here's his summary. This is the word of God summarized by the Apostle Paul. Here it is. End of verse 27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, no wonder God's word is precious because this is wonderful news. This is the good news of Scripture. And it starts with Jesus. There is a Christ. We can know him. God's word reveals him. He came to this world to die for people like us, and now we can know him in relationship. Notice it says, it goes on to say, it's Christ in you. We who have been sinners, we who have rebelled against God, who have no business being in the family of God, but now we have God in us through the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, there's hope in this world where there seems to be no hope, no good news, no future. But in Christ, there is hope, and in the New Testament, hope means a certain future. It's absolutely assured. This is what the good news promises. We have a future with God. And then he says, it's glory. And it's not just the idea of someday we'll go to glory. It's that in the gospel, God's glory is just made big and visible and so wonderful. And for all eternity, yes, in glory, we will glory in who Jesus Christ is and in what he's done for us. No wonder God's word should be precious to us. This is, by the way, the school of discipleship course that we're doing right now is the story of redemption, and it's exactly this. It's unpacking the whole story of the Bible. Paul summarizes it in these four things. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're learning this in our course right now in the school of discipleship. God's word is precious. You see how precious and priority go together. All of us deem something in our lives, or maybe several things, to be precious. All of us are worshipers. God made us that way. Of course, we were made to worship Him. We were made to be His creatures who surrender our lives to Him and do His will. Why? Because it's good and beautiful and wonderful. But when we turn from worshiping God... We did not cease to be worshipers. It's just our nature to value and esteem and worship something. And if it's not God, it most certainly is something else. There is something in our lives that we deem to be precious. Remember the word worship, always remember this. It's tied to the word worth or worthy. You can think of worship as worthship. We worship the thing that we deem to be of value and meaning. What is precious to you is the thing that you worship. Every one of us are worshipers today. The question is what is it that we worship? What is it that we deem to be precious? Is it Jesus? Is it his church, his bride, who he loves? Is it his word that he describes to be precious? Or is it something else? This, of course, is one of the reasons we don't prioritize God's word because there's something else in our lives that we deem to be more worthy of our time, more worthy of our attention. May it not be so, brothers and sisters. May we repent of anything that turns our attention from Jesus and his mission and his word. This is what has great value. God's word is precious. Finally, one last thing. And that is that God's word is powerful. I hope you noticed in verse 28 as Paul continues to describe the effort with which he is seeking to fulfill his commission. Did you notice these words in verse 28? He is the one we, meaning he and the other apostles. He is the one we proclaim, meaning Jesus. Do you see how he's the center of God's word? We proclaim, admonishing And teaching everyone with all wisdom, the effort, the the intensity that he puts into this. Why? He says it. So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And I can't help but think of our discipleship path on the wall. This thing that we point to almost every Sunday. And we say, this is the Christian life. We follow Jesus. And first we come to the cross of salvation where we understand this good news of the gospel, Jesus died for me, a sinner, so that if I would repent and trust in him, I can be saved, I can be his child. And then having come to the cross of salvation, then we begin to walk, we begin to follow, we begin to grow in our faith. And that's what Paul says is the point. That is why he labors to teach the church God's word so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. My hope would be for anyone here who's a follower of Jesus that we look at this and we say, that is what I want, that is what I need, that is the Christian life, I'm, I'm in. And we get out of bed every morning and we say, Jesus, what does it mean to follow you today? How, how can I become more like you today? Well, the one thing Paul would say to us is there no, there's no shortcuts around the Bible when it comes to be a follower being a follower of Jesus. There's just no... There's no getting around that. It doesn't appear from what Paul says here and what we find in other places in Scripture. There is no alternative to being fully mature in Christ that does not include God's Word, God's transforming Word in our lives. He can say that because Paul knows the power of God's Word, and we should know it too. Maybe you're familiar with some of the verses that describe the power of God, in particular, the power of God's word to change lives. John 17, Jesus spoke of his word as truth. And he's praying to his father, and he's praying for us, his followers, and he says to God, sanctify them by your truth. Well, that's what Jesus has been doing for 2,000 years. He's been sanctifying or transforming the lives of his followers through The word of God or we know Hebrews chapter 4 which describes God's word as living and powerful sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit I hope we've had that experience by the way in reading God's word where it feels like something leaps off the page and grabs me by the shirt and says no you need to go this way you've been living this way it's time to go this way have you ever had that experience in Bible reading it's not just, and it's partly this, it's not just that we read God's word and we comprehend God's word and then we obey God's word, although that's absolutely true. The other aspect of it is a supernatural aspect where God just uses his word in our lives, kind of like when he showed up and spoke to a Saul of Tarsus, and his life was transformed and he became a believer and he became the Apostle Paul. The reality is that the power of God's Word that's unleashed into our lives happens in these two dimensions. One is the human dimension, and one is the divine or the supernatural dimension. And if you're wondering if that can actually be true, all you've got to do is look at verse 29, in which Paul describes to us how. How he is able to continue to labor to proclaim God's Word, even in the face of suffering, and he tells us, he says, to this end, I strenuously contend with all my... No, It's not. he didn't say my energy, actually. What did he say? I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Don't you love that? This is the Christian life. This is why, I mean, if you're sputtering in the Christian life, if you're stuck just after the cross, you don't look up to God and say, Well, God, I guess you haven't transformed me. Not sure what you're waiting for. We we can't do that. Because it is squarely on us to hear the voice of the Master, to, to read and study his word and to obey it. But there is this reality in which there's something supernatural going on. And it's when we bring these two things together in our lives the transformation happens. Isn't this what we want? To be this radical community means that we need to be radically transformed. How is God going to do that? He's going to do that through his word. So let me ask, as we finish here today, are you living this radical Christian life? Are you doing what we learned last week, the self-surrender taking up your cross to follow Jesus? This is what the radical word of God calls us to. That's why we, we call it following Jesus. That's why the discipleship path demonstrates that we're, we're following after him, we're becoming like him. Or how about this question? What are the priorities in your life? What is it that you deem to be precious and valuable? What is worthy to you? What is it that you worship? The radical word of God shows us what is truly worthy. And it calls us to worship Christ alone and to follow him through his word. Are you being transformed? Are you changing? Are you growing in your faith or are you stalled? What is the answer? The answer is God's word. What changes do we need to make in our lives to prioritize this? I mean, this is just the clear teaching of the Bible. If you want to be more like Jesus, you can be. I mean, isn't that amazing? You can be more like Jesus. You can grow to be more like Him today. You can offer more of yourself to Him today. And how does God intend to do that? Through His Word. How will you prioritize that in your life? What is it that needs to change in your life so that you can take in God's word? Maybe you need to stop believing that lie of Satan. This is too hard. It's too hard to understand. It's, you're, you're, you're just not a good reader. It's, it's just too hard. Or the lie that says you don't have time. There are so many opportunities all around us to invest in the word of God. And if we would do that, we will find... It's transforming power in our lives. We're going to sing a closing song, and then Matt is going to come and close our service.
1: And it is powerful. Let's pray. God, would you help us? Would you help us with that energy that you give? to make your word a priority in our lives to put it first to put seeking you first God help us to set aside the distractions and the excuses that we have and just to put you first and it's an amazing thing Lord the way that you want to bless us when we prioritize ourselves all the time and yet when we prioritize you you're blessing us Help us to put your word first in our life. Help us to treat it as precious. To know, God, the the mystery and the beauty of you through your word. And God, help us to know its power to transform us. And may we be transformed day by day into your likeness. We love you, Lord. You are so good. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.